I am aware. I am a humble man. That you feel you don't belong. I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us. And we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful. And my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can't see. One lacking pain. What you we are. Doing. Welcome, you're listening to The Cult of Odd and watching The Cult of Odd. Hello, hi, you might notice things look a little different, and that's because, well, you know, uh, shit fucked up on me, and I had to put something together. You'll have to let me know what you think and see if you like it and, and, and whatnot for the, the new layout. You guys can now see yourself in the chat uh, live as you're chatting, and, uh, you know, we put the episode title down there normally this is our intermission screen for when we're playing video games you know like when we're switching games or, or whatever um but i figured it might have some dual use so we'll see how it goes um but yeah so sometime last week obs just took the biggest of shits on me obs is the program that i use to be able to stream to twitch uh which by the way if you're not already following please toss us a follow and uh if following isn't enough for you, you can always become a sub. We'll allow it. Anyways, so OBS took a shit on me, and when it did, like, the whole program corrupted. So, like, all of my scenes, everything that I had set up already, it all went... <laughs> so, since it took a big shit, I had to scramble to try and put something together. Ali and I, we both, we, we spent a lot of time um looking for different shit that would work and i found a bunch of stuff that i like but uh most of the stuff that i like i gotta pay for so uh for now we'll use the stuff that you know i don't mind and uh mm, excuse me and go from there but uh i think this will work for our podcast setup for now uh it gives you a chance to to see the chat um i still gotta fix that stream lab so it's not a wall of fucking text but it is what it is. 424 downloads for episode two. 430 epi downloads for episode one. So that means we are definitely uh, picking up some steam. Um, big shout out to Matt Roberts for doing some of the legwork on this. Uh, he is our researcher extraordinaire. And uh, without him, sometimes things just wouldn't be possible. Uh, at current moment, uh, with uh, Sim working and me streaming full time and, and doing pretty well with it, um, there's not a lot of time for editing. There's not a lot of time for research. Um, I fit in what I can where I can. And I am not afraid to admit that Mr. Roberts does the bulk of the heavy lifting on things. Um, 
together because we've worked together he knows how you know my brain works and can present stuff to me in a way that i can easily translate into odd speak um but uh so we're continuing our series uh yes virginia there is swamp gas where we're talking about ufos and and uh tonight we're gonna get into the men in black however before we get there i want to give a shout out to those of you in the the chat i see uh, mr matt roberts is there i see bryce j rogers music which bryce is a talented uh musician and you guys are about to get an ad break so i'm sorry oh no you're not way to go all right so yeah uh bryce is a very talented musician who does uh streaming here on twitch he's also over on tiktok please go check out bryce uh here on twitch and then uh bryce j rogers uh on uh on the tickum talkums uh, I also see Sailor Rob, which is uh, our friends over at the uh, Old Mill uh, Coffee Company, and uh, Rob has uh, definitely been enjoying enjoying this new format because uh, it's easy to use, and uh, I'm 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 liking Twitch. I'm I'm happy here. So, not a lot has happened this week. Um, not anything really personally or anything like that. We're just getting by, hoping for the best and prepping for the worst, I guess. Um, for those of you that are pop culture fans, though, uh, I'm uh, sure you've seen that uh, both the writers and the SAG actors are on strike. The background players, uh, your your voiceover talent, your background actors, and there are even some bigger name actors that have joined with them that means that uh in the very near future we will have a deficit of content for tv tv shows and movies however i'm not all that upset about that fact because i do believe the actors and the writers should should have a better deal everyone looks at it as they're whining for more money and yes in in the end of the day the more money is what they want but in their industry, money is respect. And the movie industry has changed around them, and their contracts no longer fit how the movie industry goes now. And the studios have pretty much said, let them starve. Let them go homeless. We're not talking to them until the end of October. At least. So at the point where most people are losing their homes and ha finding it difficult to feed themselves and, and whatnot, that, that'll be when the studio is ready to talk to them. And uh, while I side with the actors, I do realize they are kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Um, but they have to. With the rise of AI and things like ChatGPT and, you know, uh, refacing and uh, deep fakes and shit like that. Uh, there is, I think the studios see the way the studios see it. They they don't see a reason to have uh, any uh, uh, 
need for humans anymore, right? Oh, well, ChatGPT or something similar can write me a script. And, uh, you know, apparently, according to uh, one of the other podcasts that we listen to, there is a, a, a bit bit part player actor on there who claims that um, a lot of the background actors and stuff have already been digitized. Like, they've already been scanned. It happened like two years ago. And so I know some people are like, well, you know, they, they still have likeness rights. No, because see what they can do is they can take two or three act male actors and two or three female actors and make a composite. Right. They can create somebody wholly new with uh, uh, AI and, and uh, CGI and. With all the, the vocal recordings that they have of everyone who's ever done a voice acting role or come in to lay down uh, new audio, you know, like say the, the audio take was messed up when they recorded it, they can also take those voices and again make composites to people who don't actually exist. It, think about it. Not in the not too distant future. We could have virtual celebrities. I mean, we technically already do. There, there are, there are a few of them that have popped up over the years. Um, I, the name escapes me, but uh, like people who didn't exist, like photorealistic CGI renderings, and uh, it's I don't know, man. Like we seem to be doing everything we can to negate humans right Michaela Michaela was one of them that's right we seem to be doing everything we can to negate humans from from the workplace right like you see automation coming into factories and warehouses uh, you see uh, self-checkout lanes are the only thing that are open anymore in grocery stores um, you see the grocery carts that add everything up for you and, and whatnot. Like I'm all for limited people interaction, but what are you going to do for the people that you're putting out of work, which is fucking everybody. Now, universal basic income is an idea. The problem is, is that relies on somebody making sure that they push the button every month. And we've seen that the government's not too good at pushing the button every month. Um, so what's the answer? Well, you go, uh, some people have said, we'll go to trade school. Uh, well, that's the universal basic income. That is the minimum. That, that's the idea is the universal basic income is the minimum. And, uh, the the problem then comes is okay well so like i said some people have said the answer is trade schools and that may be you know we're not going to have androids that can uh you know finely tune the way humans can like but at the same time the trade schools are going to be uh, a thing of the past too eventually because they've already got like 3d printed houses right they just have someone go in there and, and lay the pipes. How long is it before your 3D printed house is made out of a material that will not deteriorate, that will not need replacing, 
and everything except like say electrical is already there if you're laying the foundations you should be able to lay your your pipes at the same time i mean i i know it seems far-fetched i know it seems like you know i i'm chicken little like the sky is falling and everything like that but we need to wake the fuck up we are about to be in a very very piss poor situation and it is kind of one of our own making. That's the the quote that floats around. I think it's usually attributed to Albert Einstein, but I don't believe that he's the one that actually said it. Is our technology has far surpassed our humanity? Uh, of course, you can go even for, go one better and go to Jurassic Park. They were too busy trying to think, trying to figure out if they could. They never stopped to think if they should. I'm all for making things easier for people, but you're making it easier for people, not corporations. As it stands right now, every single person in America is more than likely struggling. It doesn't matter if you're ma- you're making a uh, minimum wage, you can't survive. If you're making a decent wage, you can't survive. If you're making a better than decent wage, you, you kind of can't survive right now. The only people that seem to be doing any kind of good are the people who are sitting on millions and millions of dollars. The people that are in charge of corporations, the CEOs, uh, Wall Street types. Why? Now, I was talking about this earlier today, and uh, I feel that this is designed. Corporate America got mad that during COVID, concessions had to be made. They had to actually give a damn about the workers' health, both physical and mental. And a lot of workers chose to leave the workplace and jump into the gig economy or needed to work from home. And then they went work from home and then they realized, I'm, I'm a little bit happier. It's not perfect, but I'm a little bit happier. And now... Corporate America doesn't have anyone to micromanage and they don't have anyone that makes them feel needed and important. Now, there are still some people that prefer to work in the workplace and that's fine. But despite the fact that they were saving thousands on overhead costs for building rentals and thousands on overhead costs for utilities and thousands on overhead costs for, you know, upkeep and maintenance... And when I say thousands, I don't mean like just one or two, probably more like tens, if not hundreds of thousands total. Despite the fact that they are saving all of that money, none of it went into their own infrastructure. None of it went towards bettering the workplace for their workers under the the new way. Everybody was like, oh, this is only temporary, you know. This won't last. 
They call it work. I was told when I was a kid, it's not fun because they call it work. If it w- wasn't, if it wasn't grueling, it wouldn't be work. And I don't believe that. I don't believe you should be miserable. I don't believe you have to be miserable where you are. You have to have some realistic expectations, of course. Your boss is not going to kiss your ass. However, you should be treated fairly and fairly compensated for the work that you do. And fairly compensated is a problem phrase because what I think is fair isn't what you may think is fair. It's a perception thing. Um, so let's say properly compensated, but again, you're still using those kind of terms that are open for interpretation. At one time here in America, you could have a, a, uh, as a man, you could have a wife, two kids, your own home, a new car every, what, five, ten years maybe? All on your income alone. You would be able to have a retirement fund. You would be able to have your, uh, you know, pension from some companies, uh, you know, 401k or whatever. You'd be able to take maybe one or two vacations every couple of years. You didn't have to worry about price you know price checking at the grocery store all on a single income maybe maybe if she wanted to the wife moonlit and did hair or babysat or something but it wasn't a full-time gig and it wasn't needed what happened We can't do that now. It's damn hard. There's no loyalty from the company anymore, which means there's going to be no loyalty from the worker to the company. So we're at a stalemate. And I've said that if you got a few individuals, a few different groups together, yeah, one income. And uh, Rob said, my grandpa raised four kids on a policeman's salary in rural Michigan. Well, now, this is an idea that I've spoken about many times. If you got a few key groups together, let's just say your retail workers, your truckers, And anyone that controls any type of freight, i.e. air traffic controller or the people that, you know, make sure the ships come in safely or whatnot, other than the captains, your dock workers and your air traffic controllers. If you got all of them together and every single one of them on the same day sicked out, this country would come screeching to a fucking halt. And I see you guys are about to get an ad break. So I'm going to pause there so those of you that aren't subscribed don't miss anything. But this is your chance. If you sub to my Twitch channel here, you don't see commercials. 
if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can use your Amazon Prime membership to sub, and no money, no extra money comes out of your pocket. I can't do a lot about uh, the ad breaks. They've been snoozed as many times as they can be. So, uh, if you would be so kind, think about subscribing to the Cult of Odd here. Like I said, we do video games and podcasts, you know, we do a, a lot of things. We appreciate it, and it helps keep, keep us going. Puts a little change in my pocket, a little spring in my step. See you after the ads. For the rest of you, we're going to talk a little bit. Don't forget, Cultivod has a merch shop set up. You can go check it out. Uh, help support what we do here in other ways. Um, we do appreciate you, and uh, we're happy you're here. You know, Like any good cult, we do want a little bit of your money, but we don't want all of it. Anyways. Someone that's not subbed will have to tell me when you guys come back from commercial. But I feel... I feel there needs to be... A change. And this is the only way to get the change. Oh, well, that was weird. It told me the ad break was coming, and now it tells me how long the ad break is going to be for those of you. But I feel there needs to be a change in our country. There needs to be something that we can do. And like I said, if you get the retail workers, the truckers, the dock workers, the air traffic controllers, the folks that work in you know warehouses, if you, you get these key groups all to agree at the same time to sick out you will most definitely 100% without any doubt bring this country to its knees Inside six hours. And then you keep those groups out. Jeez, you're easy to impress. Thank you for that sub, Motor City Candleworks. You already were a member of the cult, but welcome. You 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 keep those groups You keep those groups out. You make them call out, have sick or organized, sick out. You keep those groups out until the powers that be, whether it be the corporations of America or the federal government of America or everybody, gets on the same fucking page that we need to be able to take care of ourselves. We need to be able to afford our lives. Because most of us are barely surviving. None of us are actually living. What quality of life do we really have? Where is the life and the liberty and the pursuit of happiness? 
because we don't have universal health care, so it's really hard to have life. And every single person has now become a marginalized community except for white folks. Black people have always been, Hispanics have always been, you're attacking gay people and women and trans people and it's pretty much if you have anything in front of your your thing other than white man, you don't matter to that. This is not America. This this is not this is not us being the greatest country in the world. This is us being a farce and a fallacy. There is no American dream. It is a nightmare at this point. But yeah, that's my thoughts. If you got those groups together, you would fuck this country up inside six hours i guarantee it would take 72 hours of nothing moving no trucks no boats no planes no cargo no freight no nothing no people in there in the stores nobody to work and remember retail also covers fast food because it is considered a retail job nothing you can't get a Big Mac. You can't get a fucking uh, uh, Frappuccino. You can't go to Target. You can't go to fucking grocery store. You can't even go to your little mom and pop shop because they're on board with it too. Because they're sick of fucking getting by by the skin of their teeth. Shut this country down. until they're willing to listen national strike everybody i don't care where you sit on the ladder of stature everybody sit your ass down for three days and don't touch shit and i think i think we might be in a better position to to get them to listen because here's the thing, voting ain't working, debating ain't working, violence isn't working, what do we have left? Because they know they can outweigh us. They know that all that anger that the violence comes from will burn out. They know that all that talking that we do during the debating will get tired. They know that we don't exactly know exactly uh, how the voting process works 100%. We have an inkling. We have a, 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 an idea of how it's supposed to work, but we don't know that that's actually how it works. We just take it on good faith. And uh, I am here to tell you that while I still do it, I don't believe it works. I still do it because I might be wrong. But I don't believe we have a voice. I believe it's rigged. I believe the person that's supposed to win that was handpicked by, you know, whoever is in charge, the President of the United States is nothing more than a 
real life Muppet. Yeah, and that's really where you can affect the most change, unfortunately. Is locally. Your local votes matter. Most people are like, ah, oh, it's just a local election. Who the fuck cares? Those local people that you're electing, your city councilmen, your your uh, chamber of commerce people, you know, things like that. The ones that are in charge of controlling your your little area, town, those are the ones that could possibly go on to eventually run our country. So you start small, and you start electing people with good ideas, and you start moving your city in the right direction. And then once you get your city or your township in the right direction, then you hope like hell that the people that were leading that city and township in the right direction move on to the county. And then you get the county right, and you get the county moving in the right direction. And then you hope like hell that those people that are in the county move on to the state. And so on and so forth. And hopefully, hopefully over many generations, sadly, eventually we'll get somebody in the White House that isn't just a fucking brain-dead puppet. But, what do I know? I'm just a guy who dropped out of high school. I have no formal education. Never been to college. I have no degrees under my belt. I have a certification, but I have no degrees under my belt. Yeah, I think that's a problem, too, is uh, it should never be a straight ticket. You should be able to vote for whoever you want in any election there should be no oh this is the republican or this is the you can only if you register as republican you can only vote republican if you register as democrat you can only fuck you let me register as independent and vote for whoever the fuck i want fuck your gerrymandering anyways we're gonna move on i killed the first 30 minutes um we're gonna move on into the actual topic sorry i uh i do apologize you guys should know by now sometimes if there's something that I uh, I feel frustrated by I will fucking go off on a rant and I did so let's let's get into the spoopy stuff. <clears throat> Shit, let me get something to drink. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but my voice my voice is very very dry. All right, so if this is your first foray into the realm of the men in black, you are going to have a wealth of information taken in, maybe even more so in future episodes. Let me uh, move some stuff around. Ah, no! Uh, no, 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 you're going right there. Right there. All right. We'll hopefully be able to cover more episodes on this because the the Men in Black themselves are a <clears throat> series that we could do probably just alone. But if all you know of the Men in Black is the Hollywood film starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee, or Tommy Lee Jones, it is important to remove that interpretation from your mindset. Men in Black, they are not benevolent, earth-saying humanity protectors that those films have portrayed. They, whoever they, whoever and whatever they are, 
whether it be government agents, aliens themselves, extra-dimensional beings, demons, or even mentally conjured entities. They are a group of suppressive individuals who seek to keep humanity in the dark on otherworldly events happening around us every day, whether it's UFO sightings, alien encounters, abductions, or even extra-dimensional experiences and paranormal activity. The men in black are there to silence whatever truth may actually be there. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen stories of uh, the creepy individuals. There are videos, videos all over the internet um, going way back before, you know, creating fake content was the soup de jour of the internet. There's one that I know of specifically that I remember seeing. It was a woman who had said that she had seen some lights in the sky, if I'm not mistaken. And she was at her job, and she was working at an office, and there you see the camera, like the, the security camera in the office. And you see her moving around just doing her job, and then an individual, very tall, very pale, in a black suit, a white shirt, a black tie, and a black fedora walks in. And while you're watching this video, you feel the energy in the room change drastically. Like, just watching it. She's going about her normal day, you know, just getting opened up and getting started for the day. But the minute that man walks in, you can see the energy change in the room. She stops dead in her tracks. And she is in possession, if I'm not mistaken, of video footage of what she saw. Now, it's important to note that uh, this office, uh, if I'm not mistaken, was like a real estate office or something like that. They kept large amounts of cash on hand normally. So they had a weapon on the premises that the, the front desk lady was trained to use. When the man walks in, she almost goes catatonic. You can't hear anything. All you can see is that he walks in and he starts speaking and she snaps like that and is just standing there. No energy, no emotion, no moving, no nothing. Just almost as if she's paralyzed. And you see the man, he talks a little bit with his hands and he motions towards a box that's behind the counter, a, a metal lock box. She goes over to the lock box, opens it up. There's a gun in it. And she pulls the gun out and hands it to the man. Who then sets it on the counter in front of them. And they continue to have a conversation that you can't hear. 
Now, her account of what that conversation entailed makes it so much creepier. If I recall, her account was that the minute the man walked in and started speaking, he didn't look quite right, but the minute he stepped in and started speaking, her will was gone right like she she was captivated not in a good way and she was told that he knew that there was a gun in that that case and that he wanted her to get it and bring it out and hand it to him for her safety. He then began to tell her that they know what she's been saying she saw. That they know she recorded evidence. And that if she doesn't shut up about it, they will ruin her life and make her disappear. Now, again, it's been many years since I've seen the footage and, and heard the recounting, so I may be missing things here or there, um, but that is the basic gist of it. And uh, I believe she is does hand over the footage to them because the man leaves. He wasn't alone. There was another one outside. That was the one that came in. But this dude is tall and lanky and creepy. And these are the types of stories that we get. Dan Aykroyd, whether or not you think he's a kook, has his own story. He was actually filming a TV show, uh, like one of those testimonial type shows, kind of like Ancient Aliens and whatnot, like a paranormal witness type show or, or whatnot, where they, they have experts and believers and stuff like that. He said he was filming a show and he was talking about uh, an incident that he had had. And they went for, uh, they did a, a 15 minute break. And Ackroyd says he walked outside to smoke a cigarette. And when he stepped outside, there was an old LTD style, like Lincoln, stretch black as night blacked out windshield you know chrome pieces around the 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 windshield and two individuals standing just out of sight where you know you couldn't see very well with the car black suits oh he was talking to britney spears black suits white shirt black tie black fedoras <clears throat> and if i remember correctly uh, as he told the story he looked away for just a moment like he looked down to like light his cigarette or something some noise or something behind him caught his attention and he looked away and when he looked back they were gone
There are stories throughout the entire history of UFO sightings of individuals like this showing up. And as we listed, some people believe they're government agents. In fact, I personally, if you remember from episode two, <clears throat> or not episode two, but part two, I said, I believe the Men in Black started right around the time that Blue Book started. I believe that the government agents were the start of the Men in Black. However, that is not where they stayed. Um, I believe, because if you remember in, in in us going over Blue Book and, and both episode one and two, honestly, and we had mentioned at, at various times that the the pool of sightings was split into those that were credible or highly credible versus not so to barely credible. And that the, the credible, the highly credible ones got whisked away by the Air Force. They, the ones they deemed, those are the ones they took. And they left Heineck and his crew with the crackpots and the whack jobs. I believe the agents that were investigating those credible to highly credible were the beginning of the Men in Black. I do not believe that that's where it stayed. You can call me a lunatic, but something tells me that either there's some interdimensional beings or some hybrids walking around out there that work for the government. I, I, I don't know. Anything is possible, right? Especially nowadays, we wake up every day and life is coming at us at 1.21 what the fuck's a minute. So in one way or another, these people, agents, or entities have permeated the world of esoteric thought and experiences. They are in our consciousness. They are a part of our pop culture. They are a part of our history. They are a part of all of the quote-unquote weird goings-ons that uh, people see. <clears throat> they often harass witnesses. They threaten them with social ridicule or... Uh, causing harm to their 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 societal standis, status to coerce them into silence. The cause of speaking out about your encounters with high strangeness results in a visit from these subject subjects, whoever they may be. Their tactics also include blacklisting of various degrees and various other threats to your social standing. We can make you disappear. We can ruin you. All it takes is one rumor. One well-crafted lie. Your family will even turn their back on you. That's some creepy, heavy shit to lay on somebody. Right? Like, you already kind of think you're crazy because, you know, you saw shit that doesn't make sense to you. 
you know, you already don't necessarily want to tell anybody about it because you know how crazy you fucking sound. And now you got somebody who's popping up to tell you that if you do talk about it, you won't be around to talk to anybody much longer. Or you won't have anybody around you that's willing to talk to you much longer. That's, thankfully, I've, I've never had to deal with that. And then again, what are you going to ruin? <laughs> uh, life is, has done a good enough job for you, bud. I got a few bright spots in it in life, but uh, for the most part, it's just a good swift kick in the nuts every time I turn around. Moving forward, we'll discuss uh, uh, an account or two of instances where these exact tactics were used against civilians who may have encountered more than they should have or ever wanted to. And before we do get into any of those accounts, I, I, I want to point out, too, um, one of my favorite movies is Fire in the Sky. Travis Walton's account of what happened to him matched up with the accounts of the people that were around him that saw what happened to him. To this day, his story has not changed whatsoever. So there is something going on. And that means if there is something going on, then there's something worth protecting, right? Something worth threatening people into silence. So <clears throat> there's a documentary, and I, I before we, we get too far into the accounts, I do want to talk about some of the this stuff. There's a documentary uh, it's got U.S. government's U.S. government agents claiming they spent decades giving fake evidence of extraterrestrials to gullible ufologists, but why and how can we trust them now? So, I had speculated that something like this was the case. <laughs> I think I even mentioned it in part one, but I had speculated that there were individuals that they were purposely lying to. And, and we even dug up in, in episode two a case of it. Because uh, in episode or in part one, we talked about how the U.S. government was actively encouraging uh, celebrities and uh, movie studios to create propaganda to discredit the idea or notion of... UFOs, little green men, aliens, things like that. To control the general public via the entertainment they sought. Sorry, my eyes itch. And now... We had talked about the accounts of them feeding false information to one person for a very long time to see what he would do with it. This story here was uh, dropped, uh, actually, the documentary isn't new. It's been out for quite a few years now. Uh, Hidden Among the Avalanche. 
avalanche of documents leaked by Edward Snowden were images of a PowerPoint presentation by GCHQ uh, entitled The Art of Deception, Training for a New Generation of Online Covert Operations. Images include camouflaged moths, inflatable tanks, women in burkas, and complex diagrams plastered with jargon, buzzwords, and slogans, disruption operation, operational playbook, swap the real for the false, and vice versa. People make decisions as part of groups. And beneath a shot of hands shuffling a deck of cards, we want to build cyber magicians. Curiously sandwiched in the middle of the document are three photographs of UFOs. Not real ones. Classic fakes. One was a hubcap, another a bunch of balloons, and one that is turn that turned out to be a seagull. Uh, devout ufologists might seize upon this as further proof that our government knows something about aliens and their transportation methods. But really, it suggests kind of the opposite. Uh, the UFO community is a textbook case, supposedly, of a gullible group susceptible to manipulation. And this is how the government sees it. Having spent too long watching the skies and the X-Files... It's implied they're readily, they'll readily swallow whatever snippet of evidence suits their grand theory. And this is where Mirage Men comes in. It unearths compelling evidence that UFO folklore was actually fabricated by the U.S. government. Rather than covering up the existence of aliens... Could it be that the real conspiracy has been persuading us to believe in them in the first place? Mirageman's chief coup is to land an actual man in black. A former Air Force Special Investigations Officer named Richard Doty. We'll pause here for a minute. Because uh, those of you that are watching on Twitch right now, you're about to get an ad. We hate ads. Ads suck. So if you want to avoid the ads, like I said before, subscribe. For those of you that are listening at home, or after the fact, um, please, by all means, make sure you check out uh, our, uh, our link tree. And, you know, remember, we've got a coloring book, you know, that uh, we put together. And we've got some fun designs. In fact, when we cap off this series... I've got a neat little design that I'm going to put up for sale. Um, I thought it was a neat way to, to tie the series uh, in a nice little bow at the end. So if you stuck with me throughout the entire series, there'll be something that you can pick up to commemorate it. I, I, I like it. I did a good job, I think. But Doty who admits to having infiltrated UFO circles. A fellow UFO researcher says Doty had this wonderful way to sell it. I'm with the government. You cooperate with us. And I'm going to tell you what the government really knows about UFOs deep down in those vaults. Doty and his colleagues uh, fed credulous Uf uh, ufologist lies and half-truths knowing their fertile imaginations would do the rest. In return, 
they were apprised of chatter from the community, thus alerting the military when anyone was getting too close to their top-secret technology. And if the Soviets thought the U.S. really was communing with aliens, all the better. The classic case, well known to conspiracy aficionado, is Paul Benowitz, a successful electronic, electronics entrepreneur in New Mexico. In 79, Benowitz started seeing strange lights Gee, in the sky. Did you just spend our own money on us? <laughs> I'm sorry. I find that funny. <laughs> we spent our own money on ourselves. Um. <laughs> uh, all right, that's fine. Uh, where was I? His strange lights in the sky and picking up weird transmissions on his amateur equipment. <laughs> the fact that he lived just across the road from the Kirkland, uh, Kirtland Air Force Base should have set off alarm bells, uh, but Benowitz was convinced these phenomena were of extraterrestrial origin. Uh, being a good patriot, he contacted the Air Force, who realized that... Far from eavesdropping on E.T., Benowitz was inadvertently eavesdropping on them. Instead of making him stop, though, Doty and, his, uh, and other officers told Benowitz that they were interested in his findings. That encouraged Benowitz to dig deeper. Within a few years, he was interpreting alien languages, spotting crashed alien craft in the hills from his plane. He was an amateur pilot. And sounding the alert for a full-scale invasion. Meanwhile, the whole time, investigators were surveilling him, surveilling them. They gave Benowitz computer software that interpreted the signals and even dumped fake props for him to discover. The mania took over Benowitz's life. In 1988, his family checked him into a psychiatric facility. And there's plenty more like this. Uh, the documentary Mirage Men discovers central tenets of the UFO belief system that turn out to have far earthlier origins. The mysterious cattle mutilations in the 70s uh, turn out to have been officials fervently uh, investigating radiation and livestock after they conducted an ill-advised experiment in underground nuclear fracking. Test pilots for military's experimental silent helicopters admit to detach to attaching flashing lights to their aircraft to fool civilians. Doty himself comes across as a slippery character. Uh, he remains an absolute enigma, says Mark Pilkington, writer of the book Mirage Men. That's the basis of the documentary. He found the retired Doty working as a traffic cop in a small New Mexico town. Some of what some of what he said was true, and I'm sure a lot of it wasn't, or was the, a version of the truth. I have no doubt Rick was at the bottom of the ladder that stretches all the way to Washington. It's unclear to what extent he was following orders and to what extent he was taking matters into his own hand. Doty admits to having a hand in the supposedly leaked classified documents, such as the Majestic 12 dossier, Spilling the beans on secret alien liaison committee founded by President Truman. 
but he denies involvement in the project in Project Serpo papers, which claim that twelve American military personnel paid a secret visit to an alien planet and the Zeta Reticuli system, only to be caught out as the source of the presumed hoax. The Serpo scenario, it has been noted, is not unlike the plot of Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Does that suggest that the forgers lazily copied the movie, or that the movie is based on real events and Spielberg was in on the conspiracy? The place of movies in the grand UFO conspiracy is a trickier area. And one we'll have to get into at another time. We do want to make sure that we talk about the, the Men in Black, actually. But the, if you want a good documentary to go watch, go find Mirage Men. Because it does tie into this. Uh, as Doty has admitted that he is what would have been considered a man in black. Now, when it comes to the men in black, we've described, you know, how they look. A purported male quasi-government agent dressed in a black suit who questioned, interrogate, harass, threaten, and allegedly memory wipe, or sometimes even assassinate unidentified flying object witnesses to keep them silent about what they have seen. The term is also frequently used to describe mysterious men working for unknown organizations as well as various branches of government allegedly tasked with the protecting with protecting secrets. They are ultimately faceless. They aren't easily identified other than the the black suits um and whatnot, but like if you, you look at a lot of the, the descriptions of the encounters and whatnot, people often have a hard time describing like their face, their facial features, or, or things like that. They don't look quite right. But you don't know what's off. Something isn't right, but your brain, for whatever reason, can't process what is off. They're often said to be very lanky or have very long fingers and gaunt-looking hands and, and whatnot. Um, some are often described as speaking in a way that doesn't quite match up to any form of like broken English or uh, tonal type that you, you've heard before. Often described as a, a growl or a, a struggle with the not only the language itself but uh, sometimes the the act of speaking. I believe there's even a few instances where they claim that they spoke to them without actually vocalizing. For those of you that are listening after the fact, this is the end for you. We're about to talk to talk about uh, Albert Bender. So if you would like to hear the full show, by all means, please make sure you tune in uh, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, twice a month. We're pretty good about posting when they are. Um, and catch it live. For the rest of you, we're going to move into the next part here. 
I hope you're ready because we've got a lot to talk about. Also, I, I didn't have time to throw the in-betweens in, so just bear with me, folks. Um, anyways, eh, Albert Bender. Albert Bender was born in Derea, Pennsylvania in 1921. He's also one of the first people to encounter the MIB throughout his life. Bender was always interested in subjects beyond the thought of normal reason. Basically, he was fascinated by any form of high strangeness or uh, paranormal level or things that couldn't be explained. This went to the point of him plastering his attic bedroom walls with images of the macabre, uh, playing horror-themed records, and setting up elaborate jump-scare-style traps for visitors. This turned his living space into a house of horrors. Uh, this this interest would lead him to become an avid patron of the science fiction genre, films, TV, and books. This would uh, gain or have him gain an extreme interest in the occult and any kind of otherworldly knowledge he could pursue. After the 1947 Kenneth Arnold sighting of UFOs, Bender's involvement seemed to peak. In 1947, pilot Kenneth Arnold was flying his single-engine plane over the wilds of Washington State. He was headed in the direction of Mount Rainier. He was in search of a downed aircraft and its occupants. While on this rescue trip, he claimed to have witnessed nine saucer-shaped craft in the sky around 9,500 feet of elevation, flying past him at an estimated speed of 1,200 miles an hour. He was stated to say the crafts moved erratically and unconventional to any type of craft he had seen before. Like saucers or stones being skipped across a water surface. Hence the use of flying saucers in the uh, zeitgeist. The reports of Honor Arnold's incident would pique Albert Bender's interest in the UFO topic and have him going on to create the IFSB, or the International Flying Saucer Bureau. He would also begin publication of Space Review. This was a short-lived magazine whose publication ran for around a year and a half. While it would start from humble beginnings, it eventually became the official magazine about ufology news. During its time in circulation, it was primarily around 1953, when it reached its height of popularity. A year prior, around late July or early August in 52, shortly after he had established the IFSB, Bender had patronized his local movie theater to watch a new sci-fi film he was eagerly awaiting. After the film, on his walk home, he felt something was amiss. He suspected he was being watched, or even followed, but with no evidence to prove himself correct, he continued on. He proceeded home, and upon the entrance to his attic bedroom, was greeted with an unexplainable glow around the door frame. 
After experiencing a bright, brilliant light upon entrance, he found a sulfurous smell emanating in the room. Go, you hear me? Hmm. And you know what? You're not listening to me because I see you going. <laughs>